Happy Father's Day, everybody. Do you see what just happened? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, whatever. Did you see what just happened? Okay. Like, I don't pay attention to my uh, creative team very much because they're really, really good. And um, so I just, like, show up for video shoots and see what happens. I was the bad guy. Did you, do you realize that? I was like... I was like Drago, I will break you. I was Apollo Creed, and I apologize to you, Rocky purists. I know they mix up all the Rocky movies. They don't even know what's going on. I get all that, but they made me the bad guy. I lost the title. You understand that, right? I'm not the world's greatest dad anymore. I don't know what happened. I'm not supposed to be the I will break you guy. I'm supposed to be the God loves you and you're awesome guy. This is messed up, man. And I'm tired of dressing up for videos. Can I just say that? Next year they say we're doing Swan Lake and I am not wearing leotards. I, I want you to understand, I want you to understand how little they think of me now. <laughs> These are made out of styrofoam, okay? They don't even think I can do it anymore. They've lost, they've lost all confidence in me, and that's where we are. So since I've lost the title, obviously, to, to Rocky, you know, Kevin, not me, he was the one who did all the good things. Now I am, I guess, the world's greatest papa. That's what I'll go with. That's where we're going, and welcome. We are glad that you're here. This is the weirdest day of the year. Fathers, we do it for you, and we are glad that you're here. Happy Father's Day to all of you, all of our campuses. Happy Father's Day. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, I'm really glad to have you here. We try to go out of the box a little bit because we want you to understand that being a Christ follower doesn't mean you have to stop being a guy, okay? But there are some unique challenges with fatherhood, and, and we like to embrace those and, and, you know, understand them. And sometimes I think, most of the time, I think it's just that dads are, are overwhelmed, Okay, I've been a father. I used to be the world's greatest father, but I lost that title, obviously, in the ring. Um, but I've been a dad for 31 years. And what I know from experience, what is especially true for dads, is that we don't have a clue what we're doing, right? I mean, isn't that true? One, one man had a little baby and a brand new baby, and they, uh, you know, they, they, he, he was... He was Watching the baby one, one day while his wife finally got feeling good enough to go out and do something, she forgot her cell phone, and, and, and so he's with the baby. He thinks he's got it okay, but the baby starts to cry, and he doesn't know what to do. So he tries feeding the you know, bottle. He tries burping the baby. You know, maybe, maybe he's got some gas. He, he tries rocket to sleep. Nothing works, nothing works, nothing works. So he freaks out because he thinks there's something really, really wrong with the baby, and he takes the baby to immediate care. So, so they're like, what's wrong? He's like, my baby won't start crying. And they're like, well, did you, do, you know, do this, this, this? And you're like, yeah, I, no, I, I did everything my wife told me to do. I, I just, I, I don't know what's wrong. So they get him right in. The doctor's looking. Baby's just wailing away. And the doctor's like, oh, man, okay. Well, he's looking in his mouth, you know, looking in his ears, checking everything. Can't find anything. Finally gets down to the diaper area and um, opens it up. And, ooh, his doctor said, well, here's a problem. He needs to be changed. The father looked at him really perplexed and said, but the, but the diaper package says it's good for up to 10 pounds. <laughs> right? That's us, okay? Kind of clueless. That, that's what happens, okay? Let me tell you a random story from the Old Testament 
Um, and I'm relating it to fathers, okay? And it has to do with donkeys, which is always fun because um, my executive team, my elders are going to be worried that I'm going to revert back to the King James Version for donkey at some point during this, this whole conversation, okay? And here's, here's how it goes. Now, the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants and go find the donkeys. You had one of those days? Just couldn't find your donkey? All right, you see how rich the Bible is now? You see how this is going to go? Okay. Man, I had, a bad, I had a day like that this week. I just could not find my donkey. Well, Kish sent his son to go find the donkeys. Background of the story, children of Israel are a nation. God's been leading them directly. He's, uh, he's leading them through the prophets, and uh, they don't have a king. And the people are looking around, and they see all the other nations have a king, and they want a king. They want somebody that, you know, like a physical person that can be the king. And God's not happy about it, but, but he decides he's going to give them one. And unbeknownst to them or him, he's picked Saul, okay? We don't know why. We know his dad was a good dude. Here's all we know. Kish had a son named Saul. This is so great. As handsome as a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Tall and good-looking. Okay? And Russian. He was definitely Dolph Lundgren. I will break you. Okay? That's, what, that's who he is. It's as if God is saying to the people, look, you people want a king. I know what you want. You want somebody to go parade in front of you and look impressive. So I found this very tall, good-looking man, and he's going to make you a lousy leader, but I'm going to put him in charge. I think there's a little sarcasm going on here with God. It's like, you want, you want, a, you want a king? I'll give you a king, and he will break you. That's what's going to happen. And the reason I say that is because the next king of Israel is David, who became the greatest king of Israel. And when he was anointed as king, he was a little shepherd boy. And, and you know, everybody was like, well, how could he be the king? But God was looking at the heart. And king Saul was good looking, but, you know, didn't have the heart. David was just a little shepherd boy and did, which is more important. This is a lesson the children of Israel are going to learn. So, so Saul starts off okay, but he, he ends up being a terrible king. Right now, it doesn't matter because Saul just can't find his donkey. And he looks for days, but he just can't find his donkey anywhere. So he goes to Samuel the prophet for advice. <laughs> Could you ask God where my donkeys are? That's what the pastoral staff is for, right? Yeah? If you lose your donkey, call us. It's mostly what we deal with pretty much every day. Little did Saul know that God had orchestrated the whole thing so that Samuel and Saul could meet. And they do meet. And Samuel tells Saul, hey, Saul, guess what? You're going to be the king of Israel. And remember, they haven't had any kings yet. It hasn't happened. So one minute, Saul is out looking for his donkey. And the next minute, Samuel the prophet is telling him he's going to be the king. Saul was not just sitting out on a rock singing, oh, I just can't wait to be king. He, they never had a king. He doesn't want to be king. And here's my point. This is exactly like the feeling that you had, dads, when you found out that you were going to be a dad. Even if you were planning on it, I guarantee you, I know this happened to you because it happened to me, you woke up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat, didn't you? You're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do this or not. I can't have a kid. I can't even find my own donkey. You with me? Huh? But Samuel is the respected prophet, so he, Saul patiently submits to him and says, okay, whatever you say. Samuel, long story short, anoints Saul, gives the power of God to Saul, 
and, and enables Saul to do some incredible stuff. He prophesies with these people. He does all kinds of crazy stuff, and this like supernatural power comes upon him. And, and the people that knew him said, what is this that happened to Saul, the son of Kish? I mean, we know he's tall and good looking, but all of a sudden now it appears as though the power of God is upon him. And here's why I picked this story. Uh, my prayer is for in your life as a dad, my prayer is for people to look at you and go, man, something's going on. There's, there's like the power of God is upon that. I, like, I knew that guy. I knew who he was. And now he's here and he's leading his family. I mean, maybe you're not going to be king, but, but you're going to lead your family. You're going to have kids. You're going you're gonna to work on that. And, and you're going to do better at that than you've ever done anything ever before. How does that happen? It happens when you accept the power of God into your life. The Bible promises us his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The power is there. You just have to decide if you're going to use it. And so did Saul. So, so, so Saul has been anointed. He's done miraculous, prophetic things. The power of God has been upon him. And now it's time to tell the whole nation. So Samuel brings the whole nation together, does it in a really weird fashion. I'm not sure exactly why he wanted to do it the way that he did. But he brought all the tribes together and like, okay, is it this tribe? No. Is it this tribe? No. And, and finally, I mean, all the people have come. And, and they've all come from all over. They're camping out. They brought their stuff because the people are spread out all over the place. They come to this one point and he's going through all the tribes and he finally gets down. It's the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, everybody goes, yay, Benjamin. Smallest tribe, but that's okay. That's cool. And then he goes through all the, like, like this huge dramatic thing, like all the clans from, from, the, from the Benjamite tribe. All of you come through and he goes, no, not you, not you. And finally it's Kish, the, the, the clan of Kish. That's where the new king is coming from. I mean, it's like he puts this whole big deal together. And I just imagine, you know, like, this is the beginning of American Idol. It's what it is, right? And they're getting, they're weaning it all down. And they, now it's Kish, the Benjamites. And finally they get to the dramatic moment. And he says, Kieran, dim the lights. And here we go. Your new king of Israel is Saul. There's just one problem. They couldn't find Saul. When they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, they, they do a lot of asking God for lost stuff. I don't know how God feels about that. They inquired of the Lord, is Saul here yet? You know, did, did, he, is, did his plane, you know, get delayed in, in Dallas? Is he in the green room? Does anybody know where Saul? We thought Saul would be here because he's the new king. We should be telling everybody, right? They had no idea where Saul was. And this is why this passage cracks me up so bad. The Lord had to be laughing when he delivered this next line. Um, yeah, he's here. He has hidden himself among the baggage. He's literally hiding. Do you understand? He is so afraid of what God has called him to do that he's hiding. 
I mean, and if he's, he's tall, he'd stand out, so he's not even there with everybody else. He's literally over, and if they brought the baggage, they brought the donkeys to carry the baggage. So he, first he loses his donkey, and now he's hiding with the donkeys, and he's hiding because he doesn't want to do the job that God has already anointed him to do, that God has already empowered him to do. He's just sitting by himself hiding, singing, oh, I just don't want to be king. And as I've been processing that passage, and maybe it seems like a weird tie-in to you, that is the problem with fatherhood in our world today. Because too many dads are hiding instead of embracing their role and God's power that goes with it. Let me say that again. Too many dads are, are, are hiding. They're hiding over here. They're cowering over here instead of embracing their role and the power of God that goes with it. Let me be clear. I don't believe that God caused you to father a child any more than I believe that he kept some of you from being able to have children. I mean, I think it was your idea or not, and there's other things that are involved in this, but children plainly are a gift from the Lord. The Bible tells us this. And plainly, all believers have the Holy Spirit living inside of them and the power of God inside of them. And I also believe that when you put those things together, that you as a dad and I as a dad, or at least I guess I used to, have available to you as a dad a unique ability and unique power from God that he's given you to be the father of your specific children. It doesn't matter whether you're the natural father or not. If you are involved in, in a child's life, he's given you the power because in so many ways you are the representative for God to that child. I mean, that's how we started out the way that we did. I know that's hard. I deal with that all the time when we pray our Father in heaven. Sometimes it's hard because people didn't have that representative. And it's not all on you, but that's a responsibility that you can't be hiding over here with the donkeys. You can't be hiding over here with the baggage going, well, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. Dude, if you had a baby, if you had a kid, if you were responsible for a kid, you got to step up and you got to do it. Because God has given you the power to do it. I look back in my life, I have no idea how my kids turned out. I have no idea how I was able to do what I did. Honestly, I was far from a perfect father, but I was really pretty good. I'm going to tell you. I found this Father's Day pick for a card. I thought it was great. Dad, thanks for always helping me out financially so I could finish. Focus on being an independent woman. <laughs> right? That, that's my life, you guys. I have three daughters, and they're 25, 28, and 31. You know, they're grown now, but I promise you that that was it. I have a ministry friend I was talking to recently who knows my kids, and he, he sees my stuff on social media, and we, we talk a lot. And he grew up, he's always watching me because he grew up in a dysfunctional family, and he's doing a great job of raising his own kids, but he doesn't have the background that I have to pull from like I did. My dad's here. Dad, I love you. You're an amazing father. Happy Father's Day. He doesn't have that. That's awesome, isn't it? So, so he's always like, you know, uh, he, so whenever we talk, he calls me grandfather of the year, grandpa of the year, because he, uh, he knows all the hoops I have to go through. I have grandkids in, in L.A. and grandkids in Nashville and, and a busy life, and I have to go through a lot of hoops to be with my grandkids. And he asked me a question. We were talking a couple of weeks ago. He said, were you this good of a father as you, were, uh, as you are a grandpa? And I said, I don't know that I'm good at either one of them, but 
I think I was. I think I was a pretty good dad. And I don't say that because it had anything to do with me. I say that because I had a great example, great father-in-law, great father. I had the best partner ever in my wife, Denise. And mostly, I'm a knucklehead, but I understood what God wanted me to do, and I used the power of God. There's a, there's a verse that's really dear to me because I, 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 I have to remember it because I'm type A and go get them. And this verse is John 15, 5. Jesus says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And sometimes I'm just, you know, charge the hill, let's go, let's get this thing done. And I got to remember, wait a minute, I, I'm connected to the vine but bear much fruit, man, that, I mean, that could apply to a whole lot of different things. But for sure, it literally bears fruit, bears your family. It, it certainly applies to your family. It doesn't let you off the hook. You can't just remain in the vine hiding over here in the baggage. you still got to fight. It's just a different fight when you know you have the power of God inside of you. When Saul became anointed, God gave him power to do crazy things. And when Saul became king, then God gave him more power to lead the people and to do crazy things. And he can do that for you, but you're still going to have to fight. As a matter of fact, the next king, who was the good king, David, the day he blew it, if you've ever heard about Bathsheba, the day he blew it was the day he decided to stay home and not fight. So please don't misunderstand this. It's not, okay, I got the power of God, now I'm going to sit back and, you know, watch Netflix for the rest of the day. No, no, you've got to fight for, for your future. That's our theme, okay? So I decided I'd come up with uh, words for each one of those. Um, I don't know if this is my last time to teach as a father on Father's Day since my title has been stripped of me. So I'm going to give it one more time and we'll see what happens. And I'm going to say as a father of 31 years and now maybe world's greatest papa, we'll go with that one. Here's advice for you as I have raised my kids, okay? And the F, you think it's for faith, don't you? I know you do, but, and that's important. We'll get to that. But it's fun. I want to start here because, again, I'm in this unique place now being in the stage of life where I'm at. And when I look back on raising my kids, when I look back to where you, some of you guys are as fathers, what I, what I love looking back on, I love looking back on the wedding pictures until I remember how much they cost. I love looking back at prom pictures until I remember how much they cost. I love looking back at the spiritual things and the, my kids getting baptized and all those fun things, right? But my favorite pictures are pictures of us having fun together. This is one of my favorite pictures. That's got to be, gosh, I don't know, 15 years old. Um, and yes, insurance agents, we had a trampoline. It was great, okay? Um, man, when I look at that picture and I think about those moments, I got to tell you, I don't regret any moments, any dollars we spent on vacation because you can't get those moments back. And the truth is you have to fight for them. You have to fight for fun because it doesn't just happen naturally. Everybody gets busy, and you've got to figure out how to spend time together. Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I mean, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about eternal joy, not just happiness. But, but in other words, if you process this, what that means is God is not looking. He was not looking down from heaven like some of you grew up thinking. He was not looking down from heaven saying, you guys are having too much fun and you need to knock it off, so I'm going to send Jesus down there. 
It's the opposite. God's looking down from heaven saying, man, you guys got a lot of stuff going on. And your kids have more stuff going on than my kids did when they were growing up. It's a crazy world they live in. So lighten up, Francis. <laughs> have some fun. I know some of, you, some of your women are like, no, no, Tim. My husband needs to be serious. I, I, I know. But some of the rest of you, you're like, yeah, preach this. Okay, everybody's got to figure it out along the way. But I'm telling you, I want you to start with fun, okay? I is for insight. All right, one of the most misinterpreted Bible passages in the world, let me see if you know this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Anybody heard that before? Any of our campuses, Facebook people, you heard that verse, right? And normally, I mean, it's an Old Testament, train up a child in the way he should go, and normally preachers get up and they say, you need to train up your children to love Jesus, and when they are old, they will not stop loving Jesus which is not a good interpretation of this, and it's not necessarily true because your children have freedom of choice. And don't ever forget that God created Lucifer and he chose to rebel and become Satan, okay? There's no guarantees. What this verse means, this is a gardening term, what this verse means is train up your individual child in the way that they should go. And of course, you're, you, the light, the sunlight is God, and of course you're going to train them towards that. We'll talk about that, but, 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 but they're all individual. And I will prove how individual they are. You've got to figure I'm going to have grandkid videos on Father's Day weekend, right? So the first one is my granddaughter, Olivia, two and a half years old, um, out in California, who is obsessed with Cinderella and Snow White at two and a half. So she's in the back seat as we're driving, singing, Someday My Prince Will Come. Someday my prince will come. She's two and a half. And maybe this is a difference between boys and girls, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to you as an illustration of the difference in all of your children. Because my grandson, Charlie, who lives in Nashville, is doing Monty Python impressions. So there you go. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. They're different, okay? Charlie could care less about Snow White and Cinderella, and hopefully my kids aren't letting Olivia watch Monty Python. You see what I'm saying? They're different. Now, the body is made up of one part, but men, not of one part, but many. In fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. But they're all different. So one of your kids is a nose and one of them is an ear and one of them is a finger. And you've got to understand that. So the eye is for insight, okay? It's for insight. You've got to figure out how they are supposed to be. You've you got to figure out how to help them be who they are. And here's what's frustrating about this to me. If you spend more time studying players for fantasy football than you do your own children, then you've got a problem, okay? I mean, I, I know a lot of people that are into, you know, fantasy football, and they're like, studying, when are, how, how does my guy get injured, and who am I going to put together, and how am I going to do this? When's the last time you sat down and really started figuring out what your kids are like individually and how to help them be what God wants them to be in a way that makes the most sense? 
That's insight and it takes some work. The G is for growth. If you're going to fight for your future and fight for your family, you're going to have to stay ahead of them. I was looking at some old uh, sermon stuff on Father's Day this week, and I looked at one that was 10 years old when Becca, my youngest, was in driver's ed um, working on getting her permit. Matter of fact, Coach, I think she was driving with you now that I think about it. And, And I picked her up from that very first driver's ed class, and the first thing she said to me was, now I know all the laws you've been breaking. Yeah, you got to stay ahead of them, right? Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ Jesus. That's part of the job, okay? So if you're going to lead, not only can you not be hiding in the baggage, but you're going to have to stay ahead of them. That means growth in your own life. John Maxwell said, you can teach your children what you know, but you reproduce what you are. How does that work? Well, you know this. I mean, if you, you, you got to stay ahead of them in math. you got to stay ahead of them in their sport as long as you can until it's time to let them go on with their teachers and their coaches. But I know so many people, so many guys in my generation that, that ended up coaching soccer that didn't play soccer because soccer wasn't a thing back in that day, you know? And so what did they do? Well, they learned about soccer so that they could be their kid's coach going up. How are you doing that spiritually? How are you doing that as a father? What kind of person are you? as you're leading out? That's my question. Are there some things in your life you need to get worked out? Are there some addiction issues that you need to get worked out because you don't want them following along? Then deal with them. Get in AA. Get some counseling. Get some help. Whatever's going on. Are you one of the 60% of men in America who are addicted to pornography? I got, a, I got a simple solution. I'm getting my whole staff on this for all of their devices, Covenant Eyes software. It's a simple little thing, costs you 11 bucks a month, and, and, and it gives accountability for you. If you've got a problem, any of your devices, if you've got it on there and you go to the wrong place, it'll send your buddy. I've got it on mine. It'll send your buddy a note and say, hey, you need to check on this guy because he's got something going on. If you're going to lead, you're going to have to grow. There's, there's no other way about it. Joshua said, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You're going to grow. Get in rooted next time we do this in September. 1,600 people from Parkview have been through it, and we're getting ready to graduate a new, a new group. I had a guy tell me he just got done with it, and five of his people are getting baptized Friday night, having a big celebration. This is, this is what you need to keep doing in your life. How about if you do something really positive with this little guy and, and, and sign up for the million chapters thing we're doing? As a church, he said, do not depart from the book of the law. As a church, we're trying to read a million chapters of the Bible together this year. 
And we'd love for you to join us. If you haven't been doing it, you go on, get, get the app, put it on your phone, and you do it, boom, it, it, it's easy. A few seconds a day, and you're reading a chapter a day because you need to stay a whole, ahead of them. Your primary goal is not to, be, to raise a scholar or a beauty queen or, you know, whatever, a star athlete. Your primary goal as a parent is to raise your children to put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in all things. And you've got to lead them there. And that's part of the fight. Yes, you have the power of God, but you've got to, you've got to lead. If you're hiding over here in the baggage, it's never going to work. So you've got to step up and accept the anointed power of God and do this. And I can, I, I, this is just another one of those places where I can preach differently than I ever used to. Because I can look back and I can tell you that, that as a father, back in the day, I'm so thankful that I paid for my kids to have music lessons. And I'm so thankful for the sports things that we paid for and the extracurricular activities that we paid for because it was worth it as, the, as it molded them as kids. But they are 25, 28, and 31. And it doesn't matter anymore whether they got to make the soccer team in freshman year at Lincoln Way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether they made the musicals. It doesn't matter whether they were the star or, or what they had to do because what matters now is that they're raising my grandchildren and that they have Jesus. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's the place I'm at now and I can look back. So the thing I'm most excited about, the thing I'm most happy about that I did as a dad, that we did as parents, was to get them involved in church. And to get them to VBS, you've already heard an ad at your campus for VBS this summer, that, that we got them to CIY and on missions trips where they could see the rest of the world. Because it doesn't matter to Charlie and Georgie and Olivia and Caleb, my grandchildren, it doesn't matter to them whether their mommies and daddies were in the musical. It doesn't matter to them whether their mommies and daddies made the soccer team. What matters is that their mommies and daddies love Jesus. I can tell you that now. Trust me. Last one is H, or H is for heart. Sorry, it's not the last one. I can't spell. <laughs> it doesn't matter if my kids knew how to spell. <laughs> they have spell check. H is for heart. H is for heart. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. You normally hear this at weddings. It really wasn't about weddings. It was about just the quality of love and what it is. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects and trusts and hopes and perseveres. Love never fails. It's about heart. And I know that's hard for some of us, guys. I mean, I think that's why God gave me daughters, so that it could kind of break that up and force me in a little different way. One of my mentors, Bob Russell, wrote this from a long time ago. When my youngest was nine, we had a nightly ritual. We pray and say Amen. He'd run away and get in bed and say, Dad, you forgot to kiss me goodnight. And so I'd run up to his room and bust in the door and tickle him and carry on. It was a great ritual. I knew it would have to come to an end someday. You know, he'd be 30 years old, life and two kids, and I'd come knocking on the door. It's not going to work. <clears throat> One night I was in his room. He was nine. We were wrestling, carrying on. I finally said goodnight, and I walked out, and I walked by his older brother's room. I said, goodnight, Russ. He was 13. He said, goodnight, Dad. I got to thinking to myself, you know, every night Russ hears us laughing, carrying on in the next room, and I go by and I just say goodnight to him. Maybe he wants me to do the same thing to him. Nah, he's 13. He's too old to be kissing and hugging. Well, maybe not. So I bolted into his room, jumped in his bed, started wrestling with him. 
Nearly got whipped, if I remember, he said. It settled down, and I decided it was time for me to express how I felt. And I have to be honest, I have a hard time saying to a person individually sometimes what I want to say. And I said, Rusty, I want you to know how proud I am of you, how proud I am of who you are, how special I think you are, and I want you to know that I love you. He said, okay, Dad. He's 13. No big deal, but I felt better. Next morning, as I was walking by his door, Russ said, Dad, could you come here a minute? And he went in. He hemmed and hawed and kind of pawed the floor a little bit, said, Dad, thanks for coming in last night. I never get too old for that. That's all I need to tell you, man. You got to give your heart, right? All right, I can spell T. It's for time. I kind of come all the way back around, but I'm telling you, this is different for you than it is for me, all right? I mean, it would be nice if the whistle blew at work at 5 o'clock and you could jump out of your window at work and slide down the tail of a brontosaurus and ride into your car and go home to your family like Fred Flintstone used to. But we don't live there anymore, right? So this takes work. And again, I don't know how you deal with this. As I had a dumb phone for most of my fatherhood, you know? I didn't have everything coming in at me all the time. I miss dumb phones, don't you? This is the thing. You're going to have to manage your time in a different way than you have ever done before when you have the responsibility of kids. Lee Iacocca said, I am amazed by the number of people who come to me and can't seem to control their schedules. He said, I've had many executives come to me over the years and say, boy, I worked so hard last year I didn't take a vacation, like they were proud of it. And I always feel like responding, are you kidding me? You could tell me that you you could take responsibility for an $80 million project, but you can't plan out two weeks of the year to go have some fun with your family? I mean, the old saying goes, it's better to go fishing with your child now than hunting for them later. And that's how you fight for your family. It's it's fun. It's insight. It's growth in your own life. It's, It's giving your heart. It's making sure you take the time. That's how you fight. And if there is a common denominator between Saul and me, and probably you, is that we forget the power. If you know the story of Saul, he forgot the power a lot. Sometimes it was in pride. Sometimes it showed up in fear, but it didn't go very well. And it's usually short-lived in my life and less common the older I get, but my natural tendency is to forget the power. I can get a big head if it's about the power, of me, but I can't get a big head if it's about the power of God. And I can be afraid if it's about the power of me, but I can't be afraid. I don't need to be afraid when the situations are above my pay grade. When Drago is standing there saying, I must break you, I don't have to fear because I have the power of God. And when it's one of those days when the people are expecting me to be their leader and I don't want to because I can't even find my own donkey, I have just got to remember, if God is for us, who can be against us? I have just got to remember, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go.